you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Elliott. Today, we have a special guest coming from New York, Mr. Chris Neggles. What's up, man? How are you? Good, man. Good. How are you? Good, good. So, you've been in the game for a good amount of time now. You've done hundreds of fix and flips. You got a strong rental portfolio. You're teaching this as well. You used to do financial planning. Is that correct? Yeah, I was a financial advisor for 16 years. Okay. And you managed 30 million in, in assets in the past. I definitely want to dive into a, a little bit more aspect of, you know, like how you actually transitioned all, all into this success and your abundance mindset when it comes down to raising all the money, all the capital that it comes down to when you're doing all these deals. But before we dive into all that stuff, I would love to hear a little bit more for the listeners, like your background, how you transitioned into real estate investing and why real estate for you? Yeah, so it's a, it's a pretty cool story actually. And I got to take it back in time a little bit back to when I was a, a young punk snowboard kid at a ripe age of 16. And, you know, it kind of started just like a lot of other kids. I grew up in a very low income family. I always say a lower, lower, lower middle class because I don't, I don't think I like to go any lower than that. My wife says I grew up poor, but whatever, that's her opinion. And I remember, you know, I worked on a farm at 14 because I didn't grow up being able to ask mom for money because she just didn't have it. My parents were divorced and dad was an alcoholic. So mom raised me and it was a huge struggle for her. That's not the norm for everybody, but that's just, that's kind of just how I grew up. And I know a lot of people that grew up like that where their, their family or their parents struggled. And at 16, I had to go out and get a big boy job. So I got a job at a restaurant and that restaurant literally degraded me so badly that every day that I'd come home, I'd feel worthless. And I'll never forget the one day I was probably clinically depressed, but I wasn't willing to accept that or or admit to that. And I came into work one day and I remember I did the most important thing in my life and that is I quit. I quit (laughs) trading hours for dollars and at that moment I rushed home to mom and I said, mom, I'm going to open a clothing line in the basement. I'm going to do skateboard, snowboard clothing and it's going to be called Fat Clothing Company. And that's kind of where I began as an entrepreneur. And I did that. So my aspiring dream was to be a pro snowboarder. That's all I wanted in life at that point. But being from Buffalo, New York, that's kind of a tall task. I mean, there's not a lot of snowboarders going pro out of Buffalo, New York. Matter of fact, to date, there has only been three. And I'll get into that in a second. So the clothing line was kind of just that lifestyle business. And as I was traveling around a snowboard contest, I'd take my clothing and I'd sell them on the road. Well, on the road, one of the unique things that started to happen is I started seeing all these really cool stores and these shop owners who owned these stores are really cool guys. And I'm just like, you know what? I got to have my own store. So came home and then that idea festers and that dream kind of builds and builds and builds. And you know, all the people watching this right now, I'm sure you've had that, right? That big dream, that monster dream that seems so big that you can't, you can't ever have it. So I came home and I, I did what most kids would do. I started planning and figuring out how do I make this happen? I needed 70 grand to make this happen. Well, I couldn't just go to family and ask. So I did what only thing I knew. I went around and I asked every single person that I thought had money if I could borrow money. And, you know, this is kind of that process of learning. I, I would ask, you know, and I heard no, no way, absolutely not. And hell no, all the <laughs> way to the point where I almost gave up. 
And then I'll remember, and, and a lot of you might relate to this, I remember there was that one unconditional person in my life that believed in me and wasn't willing to let my dream die. And that, that person was my mom. But my mom didn't have anything. You know, I just told you, my, I grew up poor. Like she, she pretty much just made ends meet so that we could keep yep. the roof over our head and food on the table. And I remember, I didn't even know I was learning how money worked at this point, but I remember she said, you know, I don't want your dream to fail. I wasn't able to chase my dreams, but I, would, I don't want you to have your dreams fall apart. So what I needed was I needed $70,000 or collateral in the amount of 70 grand. So what she did, and this is crazy of her to have done this, she went out and she put her house, the only thing she had in the world, up for collateral so that wow. her crazy 17-year-old punk snowboard kid could chase his dream. And, and that's really what happened. So that's how I got started. And you know that was a lot of pressure on a 17-year-old. Being 17, knowing that if I fail, I lose mom's house and yeah. I lose the house that I'm living in. So that's like, that's what I woke up with and that's what I went to bed with. But you know what? It was so perfect because it was everything I'd ever dreamed about. So I ran those stores successfully for many years, went on to be a pro snowboarder. And I'm going to fast forward through a lot of the, the stuff because I've, I hate when I tell a story or when I hear a story told that just talks about the good stuff. So that was the first victory. But now we're going to talk about like, all of it falling apart. So in the early 2000s, when the planes hit the towers, I had four, I think three or four stores going. Life was good, right? I was just living the dream. I was highly leveraged. I had been borrowing money from banks and, you know, opening multiple stores and just going at it because we had the sales. So let's do it. And business came crashing down when that recession hit. But not only did the recession hit, the town where one of our newest stores was decided they were going to close the entire street for almost a year and remodel and redo the entire street. Hey, wow. no big deal for the town, but for little old Chris with the yeah. store, that was devastating. So I had to go back and I had to say, what am I going to do? Am I going to go deliver pizzas or am I going to get a job just to make ends meet? Because that's where I was at. Yeah. And that's what I did. I put my resume out, but I landed in the most peculiar place, not a place that I ever thought I'd land in. I landed in the financial world and I was selling life insurance. Yeah. And I thought, hey, this is just going to be a temporary thing till I get back on my feet. I'll jump back into the stores, but I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I was always fascinated with money and I was fascinated with finance. You ever see that movie, Wall Street? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that, that was the movie for me. That was that was like, yeah, that was my movie. I loved that like, movie. Jacked up. <laughs> oh my God, that was such a pivotal movie for me at that point in time in my life. Yeah. And that's what I wanted. I wanted that life. So I dove in, I chased that and I excelled quickly and I became a, a pretty high level financial advisor and managing millions and millions and millions of dollars for some major firms. So I didn't take my eye off of the pro snowboarding career and I didn't take my eye off the store. But what changed is I stopped working in the store. And you hear a lot of business owners talk about this, especially in real estate where, you know, we're so it's so easy to get caught up in working in the business. And when you're working in the business, you don't know how to build the business because it's so hard you're caught doing the mundane things, the things that you think you can do better than everybody else, but realistically, someone else should be doing them. That was me. But at that point, when I was in the financial world, looking down at my store, I was working on the business and my business exploded. I mean, Fat Man just blew up. So, all was going great. High level advisor making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year doing an advisory work. 2008 rolls around. I had my next genius idea. I was crushing. I had done a couple flips at this point. So 2008 hits. And obviously, you know, when that hit, none of us knew what was coming. Yeah. And I had decided that I was going to do my next big, bold thing because, hey, I was invincible at this point. I had a little bit of an ego. So I went and I bought a dilapidated building 
right down the road and I was going to convert this building into a strip mall with three spaces and I was going to move my store in there and life was going to be great. Genius mm -hmm. idea. Yeah. But I know you all heard this, you know, timing is everything and holy shit did I get that wrong. Sorry about swearing, but I got it so wrong and I got crushed. It was like getting hit by a Mack truck at full speed ahead. And when that happened, my life like fell apart. I got to be one, I was literally one payment away from being bankrupt. Everything was already gone. I had spent everything I had in the coffers. It was all gone. And I was literally starting to think, okay, well, is bankruptcy my next choice? And at, up to that point, like I said, I never really had to ask anybody for anything. I was kind of self-sufficient. I was a self-starter, self-made, you know, all that nonsense that we yeah. believe that we are. And then all of a sudden, like Mike Tyson says, you know, it, all, everything's good and great until you get punched in the face. Well, that was <laughs> where I got punched in the face. And I had to come home that night. I had just moved my beautiful girlfriend into my house and I came home that night and I had to look her in the eye and I had to say, sweetie, I need your help. I need your help paying the mortgage. I need your help paying the utilities. And you're not going to like this, but we have to rent that bedroom out to someone because I can't make it work. Mm. And a lot of women would have went running and, she, you know, she must have liked me because she ended up marrying me. So we made it through that period of time, barely. And I was, I was determined, man, I wasn't going to quit. I knew, I knew the only way to truly fail was to quit. And I, was, I wasn't in my cards. So some people said, dude, you are freaking determined. And I'm yeah. like, yeah. And then other people were like, man, you're freaking crazy. Because the next thing I did is I started diving in and doing what Warren Buffett said to do. And I started buying real estate. And I bought it pennies on the dollar. And this is 09. And I had no idea what I was doing, guys. No idea. This is a real estate show. So you guys are all real estate investors and you know what you're doing at this point. I had no freaking clue. Sure, I'd flipped a couple houses, but you can get lucky flipping a couple houses. You know, you think you know what you don't know. So by 2014, I got up to 36 units. I was, I was, you would think that I was on the top of the world. A couple million dollars worth of real estate, had my yep. advisory business, pro snowboarder, had the stores. Yep. Actually, the stores I had sold by this point, I sold them in 10. And at that moment, I realized I was in trouble again. I'm like, come on. It's like, you know, you have money and then it's all gone and then you get it again and then it's all gone again. And I was living paycheck to paycheck and me and my wife, because she was my wife at that time, had to make a really hard decision. We had to sell in 14, we had to sell all those properties, but that wasn't the worst part. We had to sell our dream house. We had bought and, bought and remodeled our dream house. We had to sell that. And that was like a hard thing. It created a lot of problems in my life. And, and I didn't know how I was going to rebound from this one. I mean, I, I literally was just ready to throw in the towel. And this is going to be awesome. You're going to love this. The next thing that happened, and there's a couple other things, but the next thing that happened is I got a postcard in the mail. And that postcard was one of those stupid postcards that says, come to this seminar, learn how to flip houses, right? Yeah. You've seen those. And, yeah. and I call this postcard the magic postcard because this changed my life. Now, I know many of you listening and I, when I talk about this from stage, people always say the same thing. They're like, dude, don't you ever learn? And you're right. No, I don't. And everybody thinks I was going there to learn, to like master the trade, but I wasn't. I was so humbled by my failures up to that point. The only reason I was going to this seminar is because they were giving away a free iPod shuffle. And <laughs> damn it, man, I had no money and I wanted an iPod shuffle so that I could go running in the morning and have something to listen to. So yes. I went and day one was just kind of a mass state, you know, didn't really learn anything. But day two, I was blown away. See, by day two, I didn't learn a whole bunch of stuff. I learned one new thing, and this one new thing was everything to me. And here's what I learned. I learned what I was doing was the complete opposite of what the successful real estate investors were doing, what the wealthy guys were doing, what the rich guys in the room were doing. They were doing it completely different. 
And at that point, I, I kind of, I had a realization like that light bulb goes off. And that realization was this, it was, I was an advisor and I'd been taught all this fancy stuff about the stock market and everything, but I had never learned this. And you know, the funny thing I also learned, I learned that they don't teach you this. They don't want you to know the things about the market. They don't want you to understand how money works. They want you to keep you trapped in the little square box. So at that point in time, I changed my life. I stopped going from having money and then being broke and having money again and being broke. And I dove in and I started getting mentored. I started paying, I spent money I didn't have. I racked up credit cards, getting mentored, getting the best coaches, working with the guys that knew what they were doing. And I started learning. I learned through their failures. I learned by watching them, seeing what they did, paying them to give me advice or just offering anything I could because I ran out of money and then I just had to just give time, right? That's all you have is time and money. That's what all successful people have is time and money and they know how to use both. And that's what I did. And that's kind of when my life changed. And that was in 2014. And ever since that point, when I started learning how money really worked and I started diving in and learning what the wealthy do and following them and stopped listening to the conventional knowledge because the conventional knowledge, what we're taught to believe about money, I hate to say this because there's going to be some haters out there because of this, but it's a big freaking lie. And I speak on that from the very like inside of the world Everything we've been taught about how money truly works is the biggest lie in the world. And when I learned that and I started learning the real side of it and started mastering it, I, I went all the way up, I mean, to where I'm at today. And a lot of people are like, dude, you made it. Like, you're doing it. You're speaking all over the country. You got millions of dollars. You know, you got all this stuff. And I'm like, you know what, man? My journey's just beginning like yours. So yeah. that's kind of my story, man. That's, and that's where I'm at today. And now my main goal is to travel around and share the wealth that I have, the knowledge that I have with people so they can all get off the damn hamster wheel because that's what we're all on. We're on this hamster wheel and you will never get off until you seek the knowledge or until someone slaps you in the face and says, look, you're going this way. You got to go that way. Yeah, that is so, I mean, what a story. That is powerful right there. (laughs) I mean, starting off with just asking everybody in your immediate circle, uh, for funds, and then your mother being the only one that actually truly uh, believes in you, and then she even puts up her house for that. I mean, the the pressure behind that. I'm sure it's like do or die type of situation. Have you always been truly like above and beyond determined to succeed, and like no failure as an option, or where where did you get that mindset? Well, growing up when you don't have money and like literally like I grew up in a household and I'm just going to kind of frame this up where when my mom had to buy a lawnmower to mow our lawn, she would start saving all of her change in this giant glass like jug. And when that glass jug filled up, she knew she had enough money to buy a lawnmower. So that's how I was brought up. Every dollar I got, I'd go shovel driveways in the winter. I'd mow lawns in the summer and I'd give my mom all this money and she put it in this little, I still have it. It's like a little black box with a slide top. And when I had that money in there, I had enough money to go buy a mini bike or a dirt bike or whatever it was I wanted. So I just had that, that mindset of, everything in life I want, I have to hustle for. And I'd failed so many stinking times. Like even today, like if I lost it all tomorrow, awesome. I just start over the next day with more knowledge because you learn more from failing. People that that have success that have never failed are the wrong people to take advice from because the only way you can learn something is by failing. And I don't take that from me. Take that from every successful person that ever walked this earth, they learned from their failures, from Walt Disney to Ray Kroc to, to every single genius and every single one. You know, Steve Jobs, they learned by failing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I did. So if I fail again and I lose it all tomorrow, 
I start over. So that's kind of the answer to your question is, yeah, you yep. just, I'm determined because, and here's the funny thing. I'm not driven and motivated by money. Money is just a tool to me. I, I don't know what I'm, I, I literally at this point in my life, like I make a lot of money. We have a lot of assets. I am literally so dead set of teaching people the truth so yes. that they, they can understand that the whole thing they've been taught in this entire system is one giant lie. And I am bound and determined to speak on every stage I can. I'm speaking on Grant Cardone's stage in July. And I'm going to tell everybody how money truly works. And I'm going to change lives. And that's the only mission I have in this world right now. Now, now have you always had that mindset of, no. you know, money is a tool? Because for the longest time, I, I grew up very similar. We lived off Social Security. Um, so Section here, 8. Man. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we had like maybe 12,000 to I think 15,000 maybe at the most uh, per year for income. And I guess going to my mom when I was a young child, like constantly going up to her and saying, I wanted a, a dirt bike or a quad or something because some other friends in the neighborhood had that. Eventually, I just saw the pain in her of like being that frustrated kid just keep on coming up like, how about now? How about now? How about now? And it's like, she just couldn't supply it. So I got that hunger very similar to you at a very young age, nine years old trying to get my first job. But I always put money on like the, the pedestal type of thing. Like I, I always thought that as many problems that we had in our household, money seemed to always be number one. And I figured we could always laugh off everything else if we had finances taken care of. So for a long time, I, I was always doing it backwards until maybe just even a few years ago, I started finally letting go of the power of money over my life and, and started giving it out more and living in abundance because there is really so much money out there. And I do want to dive deeper into that in just a few minutes, but I just want to see like, have you always had that mindset or... Um, wow, we, we have way too much in common. I mean, I going back to like the days of like the, the social security and the food stamps, I remember yeah. like mom would get food stamps and we'd go out and I'd, I'd ask mom, can I buy this, this soda? Because you know, there was only so much to spend, but like taking that through. So I was just like you, like money was always on such a pedestal. My mom never valued money like I did, but I always wanted yeah. to be the one to change mom's life. For and sure. I still am like that. So money was always my primary thing. And as I started making money as an advisor, money became not just a tool, money was like everything. And, and, you know, it was keeping up with the Joneses. My partner would get a new Mercedes. I'd go out and buy a new Audi, you know, it was yeah, just, yeah. It, it, and, it, and it consumed me. And, you know, you're living in this false sense of reality where you think that the things are making you happy when really you're hiding behind the things. That's all they are. You're hiding behind them. And then all of a sudden when you lose all those things, and I did the dream house, then the Audi went, then the other Audi went, then the Mercedes went like, and I'm just being real with your, your yeah. audience. You're like, this is the real deal, man. I sold my bedroom set. Like when I, when I hit that 14 in that pinnacle point where everything was falling apart, guys, it got so bad. I sold my dresser. I sold my bedroom set. I sold our kitchen dining room table that was handed down from mom. I did that because I had to do anything I could just to make ends meet. I'd already sold off all the real estate. Like I didn't have anything else. So it just got down. And I think at that point, I remember I was driving, um, Oh, I think my, my wife's mom had like an old beat up car that she, she handed down to me. And I, I think I gave her a couple thousand bucks for it, but that's what I was driving. And I, you know, you're coming from this, I, I at that time, my, my pinnacle car was like a Audi S4 Avant lowered black wheels. It was like a sick car and I had to sell it. And then I was driving this like rinky dink, like car just getting around in it. And like, 
that hurt me. And, it, and it, it hurt me from a pride standpoint. It was primarily because I was stuck in this world, the financial world, where everything was about money, fame, like glitz, glam, and everything else. And that continued on with me until I lost it all. And then when I got into real estate and I started getting around people that were so wealthy, like I had seen wealth, right, in the financial yeah. world because there's a lot of money. But I'm sorry, like there's, there's Wall Street money and then there's, then there's real estate wealth. Real estate wealth is real wealth, okay? Those are the people that they have made billions. I was just in Wyoming last week at a mastermind, and I was surrounded by people that are worth hundreds of millions. I had, I don't know how many billionaires were there. And you know what the funniest thing is? And this is an important takeaway. You would never, ever, ever know how much any of these people had. We went fly fishing the one day, and I'm with this young guy. He's like 32 years old. And I'm sorry I'm going long on this, but no, so powerful. Yeah. He's like 32 years old. The whole day I'm fishing with him, right? We're just talking about journeys and life and fun. And, you know, I knew he was successful, but I had no idea, you know, and we weren't talking about business. We weren't talking about money. We were just talking about life. Yeah. Like, you know, oh man, catch that fish. Let me video that. Let me get a photo. It just, it was weird. And yeah. then I heard him talk because everybody at the mastermind told what they did. Him and his dad sold their company for $200 million. He, his cut was $20 million. Yeah. This guy, if you saw him on the street, you would think that he worked at Starbucks. I right. And the, the biggest guy in the room, the biggest guy in the room who put the event on, he's a multi-billionaire. And the guy is the most down-to-earth guy. He'll hug you. He'll come up, high-five you. And it's not just because we're in the mastermind. It's yeah. because... They don't view money as important. They view lifestyle as important. The money is the tool to get the life they want, but not the life they want. The only way they get and maintain that life is by helping others get the life they want. And, it, it, and it's the biggest thing I can get out to your audience is that. It has taken me, I'm 41, I'm going to be 42. My entire life, I've made my life about making money, about fixating on money, about things, about fancy things. Today, I can give a shit about things. Like, sure, I have nice things, but I've, I've worked for them, but I would prefer to give them all away so that somebody else could get something that they need more than I do. And today, like I said about speaking, my main mission is about helping other people get what they want. Mm. And You've all heard this before. It's the universal law, whether it's Zig Ziglar, Robert Kiyosaki, or any of the gurus out there, they all say the same thing. And I know you know this because you're doing a podcast. You keep hearing these same stories with all these successful people. It's like the same thing resonating. If you help other people, you will then in turn be successful. And I don't know how to say that. It doesn't always have to be help other people by giving them money. It yeah. can be help them just by supporting them, by, by being the unconditional one to them, by, by giving them support, by just giving them positive reinforcement, by giving them your time and yep. connecting them. When you change your mindset, to, and you call it the abundance mindset, when you yep. change your mindset to be about helping others, your life will change so fast I can't even begin to tell you, but it's not going to come to you the way you think. Yeah. That, that when you give, you get thing. Get, when you give, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden the next day your bank account grows by $10,000. Yeah. <laughs> if you get in weird ways, like maybe when you're driving around a busy parking lot, a front row parking spot will open up. Yep. When that stuff happens, you need to open your mind and you need to realize that's not just an accident. That's not by chance. That's because that's the universe giving back to you. And you can see that's just a parking spot but that will translate down to an opportunity, another opportunity, which then will make money, which that money will be put to good use. Well, that money will be used to help other people. I'm going off on a tangent, but you know what no, I'm talking No, I love it. it. It is really so true. And I literally just 
really started practicing this and learning it several years ago and the blessings that come from it and really just waking up every single morning and being grateful for the the most littlest things because sometimes when we hit a goal or we we get like a an awesome parking spot or anything that's good like we'll acknowledge it for a second a split second and then we'll move on and not and not really dwell on that but when anything little at all hits the fan or what have you something goes wrong a little bit a lot of people out there dwell on it for such a long time and and it consumes their whole day so i i really do appreciate you diving into that giving back yeah. first like you said it always comes back to you in, in one form or another and huge blessings so you're, you're i think right. it's and, crucial and look folks like I'd be remiss to even sit here and say that I've got it all figured out. I learn every single day and I'm still making mistakes and still failing. And I still, sometimes my mind wants to go back to that place, you know, where like the the parking spot opens up, you pull and you're like, oh, you know, and then it's gone. But you start becoming conscious of this stuff or unconscious, whatever it is, where it, you start realizing that that's not by chance. But I still sometimes get, you know, in that where I'm more like, I'm just, you're, it's not a perfect thing. It's not like one day it's all just going to be good. It's yeah. a thing you have to work at and you have to continually work at and you have to be, you have to realize that it's happening. And then every time it happens, just like you said, you have to be grateful for it yep. and you have to show that gratitude in one way or the other. Hey, j- just last night, I, you know, we were out and, um, we went out to dinner with my wife, I dropped her off and I remember I, we valeted the car and I came out and I handed the guy a $5 bill. Now, nothing to me, right? It was five bucks, no big deal. But what I didn't realize is that guy hadn't, he even said to me, he says, Oh, wow, nobody here has been tipping. Thank you so much. And like, dude, like that, that's just a little give, right? And I didn't even think about it, but like that made his night. Yeah. It was five bucks, but that five bucks, dude, that might've been what that guy needed to eat that night. I don't know. Yeah. But you got to think like that. It's not the big things you do in life that change people's lives. It's the little things. Yep. The little things are what matter. My mom, for example, just one more digress because Sorry, we're going off on this. Yeah, it's My mom still lives a very simple life. She, she still lives in the same house we grew up in. She doesn't want a lot. She doesn't need a lot. But here's what we do with mom. And, and this is where the money thing comes in. My mom's house, okay? Her, everybody's house that they live in, is an, it's a liability. But my mom's house is an asset. And here's why. That home equity line of credit that she took out to, give, to help me get Fat Man started, we now take that home equity line of credit and we loan that money out just like a bank. We loan that money out to real estate investors on deals and she makes roughly $333 per month on that. Okay. Now that's, 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 what do they call that mailbox money? That's money that she didn't have, that she doesn't know where it comes from, that she doesn't know, but that pays for her car. That changes my mom's life. Now, 333 bucks might not change anyone on this podcast life, but it changes my mom's life. And the second you realize that the little things are what change people's lives, not the big monumental things that you're striving for, then it snowballs. And then you're able to do bigger things. So I I digress. I'm sorry. I just, that stuff is just, we get down on that and I get so passionate about how money works and about helping people understand that there's not some magic science. You don't need a financial degree to understand this stuff. It's simple. It's just you've been taught the wrong way your entire life for a very specific reason. I love it. Yeah, so let's talk about the abundance by money and just dive a little bit deeper on how you've been able to raise so much funds in the past and how other listeners could potentially find the, the money because I'm sure you've, you've heard it as well. A lot of people out there, they're, they're given those excuses that it's so hard to, to find money on their deals. It, I've done a lot of creative things. I'm, I'm very confident you've done the same. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I leverage credit a lot, zero percent interest for eighteen months. Build up big credit lines. I've taken advantage of neighbors like uh, Iris accounts. Yeah, um, I mean, so many things just trickle down the personal brand by just letting people know what the hell you're doing and and that you're passionate about it has has always been rewarding as well. So I wanted to see for the average listener out there, like what kind of tips would you give on uh, supplying the funds for their next deal? Sure. It's actually a lot easier than everybody wants to make it out to be. Everybody thinks it's this big mathematical algorithm or it's really hard or you got to have this or you got to have that. No, here's what you got to do. And, you know, and I wrote a book on this whole thing, the private money guide. This book is where all the money, it explains where all the money is, the solutions to finding it, but kind of the sum up of that. And I'll, I'll give a couple tidbits of where money exists, where trillions of dollars are right underneath your nose. You just don't know how to use them. The biggest thing you have to stop doing, because this is where you'll end and this is where your journey to getting money will stop, is stop asking for money. Stop going out there and thinking that why you got this great opportunity, right? You got to flip and it's going to be a $50,000 profit. You got this awesome opportunity in your hands. And the next thing you do is you start asking people for money. Hey, can I borrow? Remember when I said I started asking and I, no, no way, hell no. No, no. When you ask for money, you are in a position of weakness. Here's what you need to do. It's, and it's, it's one, you got to change one thing. Yep. You got to start solving people's problems. And with this whole podcast has about, been about this up to this point, but now here's where the rubber meets the road. You have to stop. You have to, or I'm sorry, you have to start solving people's problem. And, and you might think that that's complicated. Well, I don't know what their problem is. Everybody, everybody you ever meet has one universal problem. And that is they all want to make more money. Yep. So if you can show them how to make more money without working any harder, working any longer, changing anything in their life or giving up control, then you have a really good fighting chance of raising an ungodly amount of money. And your opportunity is your deal. Okay. There is no better opportunity than a real estate deal because it's a tangible asset. So you've got your opportunity, which is your deal. Now what you need to do is you need to practice in front of a mirror. And this is how I did it in front of a mirror or just by yourself or in front of people and friends. Practice explaining what your opportunity can do for somebody else. Your flip, okay? It's going to make you $50,000. How will that opportunity benefit someone else? Your neighbor, you mentioned, okay? Your neighbor. Now, your neighbor, you might think, oh, my neighbor doesn't have any money. He's always crying broke. Your neighbor probably has money. They just don't know how to use it because chances are they work for a company and have a 401k. Ding, ding, ding. There's $10 trillion, more than that, tens of trillions of dollars sitting in 401ks and employer-sponsored plans. And everybody thinks, oh, no, 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 no. I can't use that money. That's sacred. I can't touch that. MCM or whatever it is. Uh, You know, you can't touch that money because if I take money out of my 401k, I have to pay a penalty. But if you just teach people how to use the 401k in the form of, they all have the ability for the most part of taking a loan from their employer-sponsored And if they take a loan out, and I, I don't really want to get too deep into this, but yeah. they take a loan out and they loan that money to you, and you then in turn pay them double what they're paying in interest on that loan. So let's just say their loan interest for taking a loan is 5%. 5% just simple math. And you then say, I'm going to pay you 10% every single month on that loan that you give me. So they give you 100000 you pay them 10% on that money. They just doubled their return, but they did way more than that. And this is what people don't realize. The interest they're paying on that 401k loan, that interest goes back into their account. So they literally just guaranteed themselves 5%, okay, by paying themselves back. And what are they doing? They're just being the bank. If everybody would just do what the banks do and what the wealthy do, everybody would be wealthy. 
but nobody, nobody wants to get out of their own way. So you just pay them 10% and they're, it's costing them five, but they're keeping the five. You just doubled their return. Literally that changes people's lives. So that's one way, but let's just say they don't have a 401k. Let's say they lost their job. Well, they probably have an IRA and that IRA is probably sitting there. And you know what, here's the thing. Most people out there, and I'll, I'll be the first to say this and I can because of my background, people don't know anything about their retirement. Matter of fact, they know two things. Yeah. They know when they get their statement, whether they made money or lost money. Okay, yep. That's the first thing they know. And the second thing they may know is whether they're invested in low, moderate, or high risk. That's it. Outside of that, they don't know squat about their retirement accounts. So, so true. If you show them how to double their return on their retirement accounts without changing anything, without working any harder, without losing control. What did you just do? Yeah. You just solved their problem. That's what they've been looking for. They've been looking for you, for, for a person just like you to solve that problem. But if you're not talking about it, if you're not out there explaining how you can help them, and the conversation is super easy, folks. Don't make this hard. Yeah. Your neighbor, you go over there and you, you know, if you're, if you're of drinking age, maybe have a pop with them, have a, have a beer with them and just be like, hey man, you know, how, what do you think of the markets going on right now? Like the stock markets, are you nervous? Like, you know, I've, I've heard, I just listened to this podcast and the guy on there said that the markets work in very rhythmic cycles of seven to 10 years. And dude, man, 2008, that was over 10 years ago. Like, does that make you nervous? Like I'm, I'm losing, like I lost money in the last statement. Like, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Oh yeah, man. I don't even know what to do, but like, oh wait, that scared me. And I don't want to go through that again. Well, yeah, man. And I've been going through, I've been doing a lot of real estate stuff and like, check this deal out, man. $50,000 profit. I found this deal. You talk about the deal. You get excited about the deal. Tell your story about how you found it and how you helped the old lady get out of the deal that she was going to lose. And they're like, hey, you know, not for nothing, but you should do this deal with me. Oh, I don't have any money. I, I don't have any money to do that deal. No, 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 You do though, but like, hey, I just learned about this. You, you haven't, you ha- we were talking about retirement accounts, right? You have that retirement account. You can use that. And you won't pay any taxes or penalties. And dude, I'm not the expert, but I know a guy. Like, I don't know how to do it, but I know you can. And what, what if you did this deal with me and I paid you 10% return and every single month, I'll write you a check for the 10%, you know, annualized. I'll give you a check every month. Like, it's better than what you're getting in the stock market. Plus, if that market goes down, you're going to lose money. And this way, you're not. Real estate doesn't go down. Folks, right there, that, that and I just totally came up with that. Like yes. that's just how you do it. It is not a pitch. It is not a sale. You're just having a conversation. I taught a 21 year old at one of our, our workshops we did. I taught a 21 year old all these strategies, all the strategies in here, how to go after 401ks, IRAs, hidden equity in a house like mom's money, like my mom's uh, home equity line and a whole bunch more. And he's 21. I was super nervous. I've never had that young of a student come through one of our classes yeah. and, and he left. And I was like, oh man, I hope, he, I hope he gets a lot out of this. A couple weeks later, he came back in. His name's Jamie. And he raised $500,000. $500,000 doing exactly what I told him to do, exactly how I told him to do it. Now his problem, now Jamie's like got all this money raised. Now he doesn't have a deal. Yeah. And now he needs to learn how to have a deal. Yeah. <laughs> but I, mean, I love that. If you just start focusing on other people and solving other people's problems, like we've been talking about this entire thing, money will not be your problem. I yeah. will be the first one to tell you, and not just from my experience, screw me. Like you, you don't need to take it from me. All of the people that we work with here, and this is a little rinky-dink, little Buffalo, right? Not a lot of money here in Buffalo. You're, yeah. in, you're, you're where, California? San Diego, yeah. Lots of freaking money. There. Let me come out there and start. Yeah, money. yeah, come on out. <laughs> I'll raise, I'll raise fifty million dollars before I'm done. So, so just last week, I, I like accidentally raised ninety thousand. Somebody that I'm coaching right now, he raised seventy five last week. I mean, 
the, the list goes on and it really just comes down to just being excited about what you're doing. Like with my neighbor, for instance, literally just asking him when I see him like getting his mail, like, hey, how's your day been? What, what's new? I haven't seen you in a while. He says, working longer hours, it sucks. I'm like, oh, that's, that sucks. Like, well, hope you have a good day. And then he asked me, well, what's going with you? Like, what's new with you? Basically, just coming up with the passion behind it. We have a couple deals in escrow, just closed on another one, got a couple more in the works, just need to raise a little bit of money for it, but super excited about it. If you know anybody, then would love to see if I can help them out. And then I, I turn my back away and they always come back to me and they're always like, well, what about me? I don't have what, much. What about me? Yeah. Yeah. Because you take it away from them almost. And, and then you start, you know, the power behind this is truly like to resum up all of, all of this is really just the education behind it. Like how you can find money, how you can work the different ways between IRA accounts, uh, self-directed or, there's even insurance, universal insurance. If uh, if somebody whole has life. that, let's let's talk whole life. That's the real. That's the real ticket. Exactly. So I mean, when you get to the point when you're educated yourself, then you can educate other people around you, and how they can utilize it and maximize their returns as well, and have it safe and secure through something like real estate. From my personal knowledge in history, at least, stocks typically go down first. And then the housing market typically follows. So Absolutely. It's a lagging indicator. And newsflash, the market's going to go down in the next six months. Mark my word and remember this date. Oh, I love it. I love it. So there's, there's really so much power behind really educating yourself first and then educating the other individual. And also just a like, disclaimer out there, always check with a CPA or your yeah, tax absolutely. advisor or what have you and encourage the other individual to do the same. Because yeah, and, and that's very important. You see, every right. single deal we do and every deal that we teach people to do all runs through an attorney. I yeah. don't care if you don't need an attorney, all of it runs through an attorney. I never touch the funds. If that was my neighbor, the money would never come in my hands until the deal's closed, the mortgage is yeah. filed, the note's filed. There's in a secured position, then the attorney or the title company in your case, but still have an attorney, then the funds come back to me and yeah. I keep their money segregated. I never commingle funds of multiple investors unless it's the same deal. Yeah, don't be cheap out there and like try to hold out on not paying, thinking that you have it all, especially in the beginning or, or whenever. It's I think it's always best because I've done the the cheaper route, thinking like, well, we are both educated, we know what we're doing, and then you find yourself in just a little bit of chaos and uh, and just more fires to put out. When you have the yep. right legal team and the right team in general around you, then you can always make sure that you're safe and everybody on both sides. It is a win win. Just think about Henry Ford. He had a fifth grade education, but he was smart enough to know he wasn't smart. So he found a whole bunch of smart people. He put a row of buttons on his desk. Every person he needed that would answer or solve a problem for him, he had a button. Get yourself some buttons. Get some buttons. I love it. <laughs> That's so powerful. So do you want to talk about Universal for a second? Yeah. And or, or whole life? Yeah, we'll talk about Universal in the sense that I don't talk about Universal. I don't like Universal Life. I know there's okay. a ton of stuff out there about Index Universal, and I know. Yeah way too much about it and I'm not even going to get into it, but I don't condone it. I don't like it. And, okay. and I'm buying what a lot of people do, but whole life is one of the biggest, most powerful things that there are out there. It's been around over 200 years. It was created before the tax code was ever written. So the tax advantages. So you want to know how to be successful. It's so freaking easy. And here's, here's what it is. Mimic what the banks do. 
Mimic mm -hmm. what the wealthy do, but e easier because everybody knows a bank, right? You got a bank in every single corner. Just look what they do and Google this. Every one of you should Google this. And this is going to be an aha moment for you. And I'll give you a link when we're done with this to even give you a, like a literally a life changing experience. But yeah. Google Boli, B-O-L-I, B-O-L-I. It stands for bank owned life insurance. So once you Google that, you're going to find hundreds of pages about banks and the life insurance they own. And then if you read enough and you spend the time, you're going to learn that the reason banks have so many vice presidents is for the exact reason. It's called infinite banking. Okay. We do a thing called the money multiplier, but it's called infinite banking. Banks take out a whole life policy, not a universal life, a whole life policy on all their key executives. And what they do is they give them a fringe benefit, right? Might be a deferred comp, a part of the retirement package, uh, a paid up life insurance policy, but the bank controls all of the money. And if you start learning what banks do, banks are genius. Okay. You want the smartest person in the room? It's a bank. What do we do every day when we get a check, right? You get your check from your assignment or your flip. You're so pumped. What's the next thing you do? You go deposit it in the bank and you're pumped. And then you're super excited because if you go into a bank on a Friday, maybe they got free wine tasting if you're of age or, or you grab a, a lollipop, right? You pull one of the suckers out, lime, grape, strawberry, you know, any flavor you want. You unwrap it and you put it in, in your mouth and you're like, yes, this is awesome. <laughs> Depositing a big check. I got my, my, my reward here. And then you look at the little wrapper. What does it say? Dumb, dumb. Sucker, yeah. <laughs> dumb, dumb. Or sucker, yeah. dumb, dumb. Banks have it so figured out, right? We deposit our money and right behind you when you're depositing that money, they're loaning your money back out. Banks are making 400 to 1200% on your money. And if you don't believe me, go to Bauer Financial and look at all of the bank's financial reports. Okay. They have never made less than 400 to 1200%. And the reason for that is banks know something we don't. We've been trained and taught to believe that compound interest is what we should do. Take our good dollars today, put them away, and then get paid back with weaker dollars later. Seems, seems logical, right? Let's put our money into a savings account, a 401k, an investment account. Let that money sit there. It'll grow. And then later, someday later, they're going to pay us back and then they're going to tax us on that money. And those dollars that they pay us back are weaker, right? That's what we're trained to believe. Compound right. interest is a good thing. But how come if compound interest is so good, how come there's not a company in the world that uses compound interest? No bank in the world uses compound interest. You see, businesses and, and banks believe in money in motion. Everything in the world is in motion. Right now, my lips are flapping, like the wind's blowing outside, cars are moving, everything's in motion. Yeah. But yet, we are trained to have our money sit still and get stagnant. Banks keep money in motion and that's how they do it. And if you just learned that same thing, that everything you have to do is mimic a bank and keep your money in motion, yeah. dude, all of a sudden, your life would change. Keeping money in motion is way easier than you think. I'm not going to get into it, but whole life. Okay, what we're talking about in infinite banking and all this stuff, it is the single most powerful vehicle ever created in the world. And if you don't believe me, then why would banks be using it? And why would banks own more whole life insurance than they own in buildings and land combined? Why would that be? Because they know something we don't know. Or maybe you're just smarter than them. And if you are, believe me, we got to have a chat. <laughs> yeah, but right. That's it. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. You know what I'm really good at doing? I'm, I'm really good at following the smartest guy and the yeah. smartest guy. You mimic those guys. Bank. Yeah. yeah. And, and if you just do that and just do what the banks do and use the vehicles that the banks, the wealthy, the elite do, you in turn will change your life. So at the end of this, if you don't mind, I'll give you a link and everybody can check out a video that I have that talks about this. There's no sale. I don't sell anything, folks. Like that's the weird thing. When I do this stuff and I speak on stages, everybody's like, oh, he's going to sell something. What's he selling? And then I'm like, I'm not selling anything today. And everybody's like, what? 
I want, I'm ready to buy. Like, I want to buy some. Sorry, man. Like, it's not the way it works here. Like, you want me to help you? We'll help you create your banking system, but I'm not selling you something. It's like, you got to do this. You got to learn. And to learn, it's going to take time. Because what do successful people do two things really well? They invest time and money. And that's it. And I don't talk to people anymore. I used to. I, I had enough of talking to people about their savings and, and you know, investing new money. Today, I talk about money that people are already spending and how to become wealthy by focusing on the money you're already spending. Wow. I love that. Yeah. I would like to dive in, if you don't mind, talking a little bit, maybe some tips on how people can keep their money in motion. And just to give people an example of different ways that they can keep it on rotating. Because just like you said, they're not teaching it out there. So a lot of people think putting their money in the bank account and just letting it sit there forever is going to do them well. Um, or in like a CD or something. All right. So I'm just going to give some, is it okay if I literally get down to like fifth grade level here and I start Please, yeah, just serious, simple stuff? Yeah. Because everybody wants to make this stuff too complicated. So use my mom. My mom had a house that she got in a divorce and that house had equity. How many people do you know in San Diego that have equity in their houses? A lot. Yep. And what do they do with that equity? Nothing. They yep. leave it sit there and they sit there and they throw parties saying, oh, my house is paid off. Oh, Clank the glasses and they're all excited because they got the, their house is paid off. Yep. Well, having your house paid off still makes your house a liability and it doesn't change your life. Nope. What my mom did, she didn't even know she was doing this. I'm just, I, I kind of taught her, but she still doesn't want to know is we took out a home equity line of credit. How much yep. does it cost to take a home equity line of credit? usually zero, maybe 350 bucks with a bank that charges you for the appraisal or application fee. Then you have access to that money. Now you have access to that money. Now what you need to do is you need to put that money in motion. So what we do for my mom is we loan that money out to real estate investors. Why real estate? Because it's what I believe in. Mm -hmm. Your poison could be something else. I like real estate. For sure. I just underwrite the deal. I have a set of rules in, of engagement. I yeah. use smart attorneys because I'm not an attorney. I have yeah. smart accountants that tell me how to do all this stuff. And all I do is we loan that money out. We take a secured mortgage, a secured position, first position on that property. And every single month, those people pay us interest. And then when they flip the house or they sell the house, we only do 12-month loans, we get paid the money back. And then the hardest thing is, is finding the next deal. That's one way, okay? Let's just say you got money just sitting in your savings account, right? And you're building it up, building it up. You're super excited about building it up. But then over here on the other side, you got all these credit cards. Let's say you got a visa that you're paying $500 a month to because you racked your visa up, getting the education you thought you needed to be successful in real estate. And, and now all of a sudden, you learned that, wow, that that education was great, but I don't know how to apply this. Not going there, but anyway, you got yeah. these credit cards and you got this money in your, your ch checking and savings. Take the money from your checking and savings, pay your credit card off. Then the same exact payment you were making the credit card company, that 500 bucks, recapture that and put that into your savings account. Yep. What you just did, literally, like you don't even know what you just did, but you start doing the math on that, how much, in the, you're now recapturing all the interest. Okay. You're repaying all the principal balance that you would have given to the bank. You literally just changed the dynamic of your entire future. And that's just using a, a savings account. Now yep. you do that with a CD. You do, do that with everything in your life. Just mimic a bank. What does a bank do? They make loans. Loans to banks are assets, not liabilities. A loan to you and I is a liability. So if you've got money, and, and here's the other thing. I know- Every time I do a podcast, there's always people on the podcast that are like, man, this is all great, but I don't have any money. Awesome. Awesome. Banks don't have any money either. They use your money. 
to yeah. go out there and solve people's problems with their money, like yeah. my mom, and teach people how to bank their money, teach people how to be smarter, teach people how to get out of the, the get off the hamster wheel and get out of financial slavery and show them to mimic what the banks do by just providing education. Now, not everybody's going to, not everybody's going to take part in it. Okay. I talked to 5% of, of the 100%, only five. Okay. And the reason for that is some people are so brainwashed, they're never going to get off the hamster wheel and, and I can't help sure. them. And nor can you, but there are people that you can help. And all you do, if you don't have money, teach people that have money, how you can solve their problems and then do that. So people that have money are always looking to keep that money in motion. So like me, I have lots of whole life policies. It's called infinite banking and I use them so much. My biggest challenge at this point and the colleague that I work with is how to keep that money in motion all the time. I'm constantly looking for things to do. Okay, so what can I do? You know, if I buy a car, I don't buy a car with a car loan. I don't lease a car. I take my bank my whole life. I loan myself money. I buy the car, so I get the car. Because money is just a means of exchange. I got the car. Then what I do is whatever I would have paid the car dealership or the lease, I take and I repay that money back. I do an amortization over five years for how much that would have cost for the bank. So now I'm repaying myself with interest plus all the principal, it's going back into my bank. Now, <clears throat> here's the difference. My bank, the whole life, one thing that's very different about my bank and your bank is my bank pays me 4% even when I'm using all of the money. So yep. if I got 100 grand in my bank account yep. and I take all 100 grand out and I loan some out, I buy a car with some of it, I buy my wife a, a treadmill and we yep. recapture all that, guess what, folks? My bank is still paying me 4% on the full amount, like I never took it out. Yep. And if your bank isn't doing that, then we have to talk because that's that right. is what the wealthy do. And that's what banks do. See, yep. banks don't, banks just move money, but they use collateral and they understand leverage and collateral. And I'm not going to go there either, but that's what I do. And there's nothing simple about it. It's 200 years old, folks. It's the simplest freaking thing. And the yep. reason, it, the, the fact that it's so simple makes it so complicated for people to understand. Yeah, because it's not. It's not complicated. It, it is very so like you know elementary. I love yeah, it, and I like to think like what we do in helping people and how we help people with that is the most powerful thing I do out there. Period. Yeah, and if you don't have money sitting in the bank account, like like you said, I mean, get out there, find other people, uh, rack up some debt, and believe it or not, there there's a there is a difference between good debt and bad debt. So okay. really, just identify that and make sure that you have a secure asset that will give you that return on the back end. But it's funny that you mentioned the whole, if you have money in your savings and you're, you're still have credit card debt, but you're paying interest on that. I thought it was like very basic that, you know, nobody must do that. But I had actually good friends once I would, you know, talk to them about their finances and realize they had like 50 to a hundred thousand dollars just sitting in their bank account as a savings. But then they were paying interest with like $10,000 worth of debt on their credit cards. And, and they were okay with it. And I was like, what are you doing? And the compound from that, if just like you said, if you pay that off, it's almost like a velocity banking strategy of you pay off your debt and then that money that you were wasting on interest or paying for somebody else, you can take all that and start paying to yourself now. Yep. And you know, that's so, it. It's just a so recapture. Wow. It's just re, you know, keeping money in motion. It's all it is. You know, and the, the most hard, the hardest thing is so many people when they have money in their savings and they want to go buy something, they take the money out of their savings, and they go buy it and they never pay themselves back. Yeah. Right. If you were, if you owned a grocery store or you owned a bank and all you did is just take money from your bank or take food off your grocery store and you're like, I own it. I don't need to pay it back. Yeah. You have to recapture. You have to treat yourself like a bank. 
right? If you're going to borrow money from a bank, you're going to pay them back. Otherwise, your credit's screwed. Yep. But when you take your own money, you never pay yourself back. Why? Yeah. Because we weren't taught that. That's why. Because we were never taught that. And because we weren't taught that, we are kept in continuous debt. And we, I call it financial slavery. That's what it is. Like you said, you got people that have 50 grand in savings, but they've got 30,000 in credit card debt. Does that make any logical sense? Most yeah. people on here would be like, no, nah, that makes any, no sense. But I bet you there's a bunch of people laughing inside being like, dude, that's me. <laughs> yeah. It is. And, and your savings account at best, if you're with, uh, I can't remember, I just looked it up. The highest internet paying savings account was 2.9%, I think. And I wouldn't put it there because you got to leave it there for a year, but 2.9. Yeah. And then over here on your credit cards, what are you paying on your credit cards? Do you even know? Probably 15%, maybe higher. So yeah. just do some simple math there. Yeah. Like literally just do some simple math. So if you got a credit card and you got money in your savings, pay it off. If you got money in your 401k, no money in your savings because you listen to this, but you got your 401k over here, take a loan from your 401k, pay your credit cards off, yeah. recapture the amount that you were paying the credit card and pay back to your 401k. And you know what the funny thing is? When you do that, not all that money has to go back to your 401k. I got to be careful saying this because it's kind of yeah. a gray area, but think about that. It's a loan. So you have to pay the loan back, but it doesn't mean if you, if you're paying the loan back at 5% and over here, you're, you're, you know, you're repaying yourself what the equivalent of 15 was. You just made yourself extra income. Instead of paying the bank, you now get to go out for an extra dinner per month or week or, or an extra vacation a year. Those are the things that matter. Memories matter. Fancy things that. that we do, they don't mean shit. Yeah, it's so powerful. It really is. Is there any learning curves? I mean, I'm sure there's a good amount of learning curves that you've done in the past. I, I kind of, before we close up here, I, I would just like to touch on some learning curves because like you mentioned before, that's when we learn the most from our learning curves. So maybe you can touch on like one or two that that was a big punch to the face and you're like, hey, never going to do that again. Oh, there's so many of them. God, I know. Where do I even go? Um, the biggest thing I used to make the mistake of, and this is, this is a hard thing. It sounds easy, you know, when I say it because we keep hearing this over and over, but when you're in real life, it's not easy. Hmm. When you have a dream and you want to do something, and you go after it, there's going to be people, and it's always the people closest to you, your best friends, that will stand in your way and say, oh, why are you doing that? Why are you buying that course? Why are you spending another $2,000 to go to this event? Like, don't you ever learn? Remember I said that earlier? Yeah. Look, don't you ever learn? No, I don't. Because those are the people I want to be around. Those are the people I want to learn from. Not all of them, but I'm going to go to that event. I'm going to find that one person. And that one person will be that one person that can change everything for me. And that's the mindset you got to have. But then you go there and you got to go there with an open mind of thinking, how do I help that person? Mm. And that's what I do. And that's what all of you should be doing. But you, so many of us, and I don't raise your hands and I don't know if you can, but <laughs> don't listen to people that haven't done what you are trying to do. If you've got someone, a friend, a family, a mom, a dad, you know, yep. a, whoever sitting there saying, you know, why would you do that? That's so stupid. That's the dumbest thing. Ask them, have you ever done it? And have exactly. you had success with it? And if their answer is no or well, the answer is please step aside and let yeah. me chase my dreams and don't stand in my way because if you do, I'm going to put you in timeout. Yeah. Sure, I had to do that with my best friend. He's still in timeout because he's just got a negative mindset and I don't surround myself with people with negative mindsets. So that's, the, that's one piece of info. And the other piece of info is um, it's, it's even harder, but it sounds easier to have everything change in your life. You have to change one thing. And that one thing is you have to change your mindset. Yeah. You have to change your mindset to stop believing everything you've been taught 
from conventional knowledge. And, and I'm mostly talking about money here, but yeah. that one thing is the equivalent of this. When you were a young kid, all of us learned how to ride a bike, right? And our parents maybe helped us. You had training wheels and you're riding and it was hard at first. And then you took the training wheels up and you crashed and you got right back up and you got on the bike. You didn't quit, you know, cause it hurt a little. You got back up, you were determined and you learned to ride that bike and not long you're jumping the bike. And for some of you are doing three sixties wheelies and all sorts of fun stuff. And everything's good, right? That's you learned how to ride that bike and nobody can take that from you. But now what if I told you, you have to ride that same bike, but now when you turn the handlebars to the right, the wheel's going to go to the left. Mm. It's the backward bicycle. Could you ride that bike? The, ch the chances of you riding that bike are slim to none. Yeah. But if you put a, a, fi a five-year-old on that bike, it will not take them long to learn because they're not tarnished. Their mind hasn't been conditioned the wrong way. So a fifth or a five-year-old can learn to ride a backward bicycle easy, but you can't. You eventually could, but it's going to take you crashing. It's going to take you getting frustrated and practicing and practicing and practicing. So if I told you you have to do one thing different to change your life, that's the one thing. You have to literally change your mindset. And that is the hardest thing in the world because everything you've been taught up to this point about how money works, you have to change your way of thinking because it's made, they've made it way too complicated for you. It's so much simpler. And I think that's a, a practice that every day you're going to really have to adapt and try to overcome because, I mean, it's, it's something that there's so much negativity out there. There's so many naysayers and all this other stuff. And like you said, like your best friend sometimes, like the closest people that around you, family, friends, like people that you really love and you want to take their opinion to heart. But at the same time, like if they haven't done it, please, please, please. It's some of the best advice on here today. It's like, don't ever take somebody, don't ever get counsel from somebody that actually isn't doing it themselves or have done it. Right. Because at the end of the day, it's like, yeah. you're really, you know, it's a fear mindset and, uh, and it's not going to help you by any means. And I, and I live in Buffalo, New York, and I love it here. It's a beautiful yeah. area, but it is such a fearful mindset area where people just can't get out of their own ways. I'm surrounded by this every day. It's literally like walking down a busy street and everybody's walking directly into you. They're not walking around you. That's what it feels like when you're walking and surrounding yourself with people with a limited mindset that doesn't match yours. People are going to walk right into you. And how many times have you walked down a busy street, maybe New York City, and it just feels like everybody's walking at you and you start doing this and you hate it, you feel confined? That's how you're living your life if you're not surrounding yourself around the right people. And if those people aren't the right people, the hardest thing is you got to get rid of them or yeah. put them in timeout for a little bit. I had to do that with my dad. I had to do that with my best friend. I've had to do that with so many people in my life. And you know what? I don't regret it at all. Sometimes I feel bad because I, I feel like I've left them behind. But you know what? Someday I'll go back and I'll grab their hand and I'll take them with me when they're ready. When they're not ready. Anytime sooner. Yeah. And some of them will never be ready. And that's the hardest thing. You know, and I grew up in that atmosphere in New Jersey and I got to a certain point that I couldn't cut off enough people. So instead I just cut off myself from that area and I came out here to, to San Diego and got like a fresh new start, new atmosphere. Jersey's like Buffalo, man. Jersey's just like Buffalo. It is. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. But anyway, Chris, dude, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I, I mean, time is your biggest asset and you just gave tremendous knowledge and all of your time to uh, all the listeners out there. So I appreciate you so, so much. I really do. There's nothing but great content on here and a lot of uh, the listeners are definitely going to be able to take action in a positive uh, direction moving forward. How can people get a, a hold of you? 
So the easiest way for people to get a hold of me is just social media. Obviously, we're in a digital age. So Google my name. That's the first start. Go on Facebook. Google Chris Noggle. Uh, I'm maxed out in friends. So you can look at you know the other page, which is Chris and Larissa Noggle, N-A-U-G-L-E. Uh, Instagram, I'm all over that. It's just Chris underscore Noggle. I, I, the guy wants to sell me my name. I'm like, no, keep it. Uh, you can Any of that, that's the best way to get a hold of me is there. I answer all of my private messages personally. As much as it seems daunting, I still get back to it. You might get a message from me at like two in the morning, but I will. Uh, and if any of you like some of the stuff, I mean, this is a really easy way. Go to Amazon, grab a copy of the private money guide. Yeah. It's a simple read. It'll teach you all the strategies. And like I told everybody about like that banking strategy, infinite banking, we call it the money multiplier. I'll give you a link. Actually, do you mind if I just give it to you right now? Please. Yeah. It's uh, just write this down and then put this up in the thing. It's money school, R E I.com slash T M M M stands for the money multiplier method. For those of you that are real serious about changing your life on there, there's a video. Okay. It's a webinar video. It is an hour and a half long. And I know what you're saying. You're saying, I don't ever have an hour and a half. And for you, for those of you that say, I don't have an hour and a half, you're part of the 95%. Welcome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For those of you that take an hour and a half and watch that video, it will change your life. And I'm not saying that as a sales pitch. I'm not saying that as anything. I've witnessed it happen every day for the last six months of my life. Every person that takes the time to watch that hour and a half video has the same reaction. And I can't wait to hear what yours is. Yeah. So I definitely encourage everybody out there, find the time, make the time, make this a priority. It will change your life. Very excited for this. And uh, Chris, dude, I appreciate you so much. Um, is there anything that the listeners can do to give back to you? Uh, you know, just follow me on Instagram. That's the greatest oh. gift you can give me right now. Just go on and follow me on Instagram. And I post a lot of really fun stuff and some real stuff. I think that's how we kind of connected. You watched one of my right. Facebook lives. That's, that's right. the best thing. It's the greatest gift all of you can do. Cool. All right. And uh, if you guys want to reach out to me, you can always do so at brandonelliotinvestments.com, uh, Instagram, Brandon Elliott Investments, and then facebook.com slash Brandon Elliott, R-E-I. So uh, till next time, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button, uh, share this out, get more content out there. And if you could leave a review as well, make sure you do that. It pushes it out there to more people. Give me some feedback on if you like this, hate this, if you want me to ask different questions. Love you guys all so much. Till next time, stay blessed. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit brandonelliotinvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.